So ladies and gentlemen, please sit back, turn up your radios, and feel free to enjoy this conversation tonight. You can call in at area code 619-488-2558. You can also chat with us live on sandiegoparanormaleye.com. We will open uh, the lines up for questions about halfway through the show. So, here we go, right into the thick of it with Matthew Barron. Hello, welcome to our first show. I am here with my good friend Matthew Barron. How are you today, Matt? Good, Dan, yourself? I am excellent. So, this is our first uh, official podcast. <laughs> Thought it'd go interesting to all of our listeners up there. Um, so, Matt, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got started in the paranormal field? Well, I like a lot of people, I've had you know a couple past experiences, you know, just at random. Um, then I started investigating with a couple of friends of mine who now have their own team. And a buddy of mine at this job I work at, him and I just started going out, hanging out and whatnot. And we started joking around about starting our own team, just as an inside joke. And the more we thought about it, the more it seemed like a good idea. So we started doing it. We started doing it together as co-founders, you know, recruiting, that type of thing, building. Is he still with your organization? No, he actually had to leave due to uh, personal scheduling conflicts. So he came up to me one day and said, hey, if you want to continue this, it's all yours. So just kind of snowballed from there. Now, you know, everyone's going to ask you the million-dollar question. You know, do you believe in ghosts? Well, as far as, you know, full-body apparitions and, like, Casper-type stuff... You know, yeah, I do believe it, the possibility is out there. As far as you know, every claim being you know a haunting, no. So, um, just to clarify, <laughs> could you say that one more time? Sounds like we yeah, had a no, little bit of audio problem there. <laughs> as far as um, full-bodied apparitions, and you know, some people who don't understand the terminology, as far as like seeing an actual spirit or ghost, I do believe the possibility is out there. Yes. Um, but I don't believe that every claim is, you know, uh, going to be a full body. You're not going to always see one. Now, do you think that everyone should be, you know, anyone that wants to should go out there and start a paranormal group? Or do you think there should be some sort of prerequisite to starting a paranormal group? Well, I thought about that. Uh, I asked myself that same question whenever I first started. And to be honest, it does take a certain individual. I mean, some you need to have a lot of time, a lot of patience, and you also need to have a lot of knowledge. Um, because as a founder, you have to be able to lead people, and you have to be comfortable talking in front of a lot of individuals at any given time. So it does take a lot. Well, if I understand you, so have you ever actually seen a quote-unquote full-body, <laughs> non-vaporous, you know, we're talking Ghostbusters yeah. stuff here, but have you ever seen a full non-vaporous or vaporous apparition? As full-body is concerned, no, not a complete. I have seen partials, uh, hands, legs, um, waists, chest, stuff like that, and, you know, obviously you heard footsteps, that type of thing, but as far as the full-body, no. Um, they, in the, us in the paranormal field, and Dan, you know, that's considered the holy grail of the paranormal True, and I don't even think I've ever could, would even be able to say I've seen a quote-unquote true Hoyle-style haunting. <laughs> <laughs> They're one in a million. So, let me ask you this. Your role as a founder, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different than being you know, an investigator. What, what exactly does a founder do for those that have never been in a paranormal group or have no concept of what a paranormal group is? You know, we have a lot of people out here that literally will go through graveyards with a recorder and a flashlight, yeah. you know, and shouldn't even be on the property. <laughs> where, where, does, where does that kind of change happen for you as a founder? Well, me as a role as a founder, and I, I guess I can say pretty much any founder, is you're, like I said, you have to have a lot of time. And part of that is the fact you have to set up these investigations, not only location, but who's going to be there depending on what type of investigation style you're going to do. Either you're going to do an actual full-scale investigation, 
um, just a kind of a hangout type thing. You know, it takes a lot of thinking. It's a lot of thought process. And if anybody wants to be a founder, you know, you have to understand that you have to set up every small detail. Um, rules, regulations, uh, the do's and don'ts. What type of paranormal team do you want to be? Um, who do you want on your team? Where do you want it to go? What are your goals, long-term and short-term? And I think the most important question is, how is it going to be funded? Is it coming out of pocket? Is it going to be donations? Is it going to be, you know, whatever? Yeah, and these are definitely things that we've talked about back and forth before yeah. in our conversations off the, the radio here. Um, you know, how has your life changed since you've become, <laughs> since you've been involved? I mean, I know from my, from my point of view, just being in the web administrator takes a huge amount of man hours. Yeah. I couldn't even fathom the amount of hours that you put in as a founder. Oh, but yeah. how has it changed <laughs> your life, for the better or for the worse? Well, I guess that's a double-edged sword. I mean, there are some things that, you know, have hurt me, but there are some things that have helped me. Well, it looks like someone would like to call in. It's a little early for our calls, <laughs> but uh, do you want to take it? Yeah, go for it. All right. Hello, you're on the air with Daniel. How can I help you? Uh-oh. Probably one of my guys. <laughs> Can we trace the call? There was a ghost on the <laughs> Actually, yeah, it'll pop up on that screen right in front of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know who you are. <laughs> so we're going to take the phone off the hook just for while we're, you know, in the middle of this here conversation. And if I can just even find it, it should be this little baby one. That's not even plugged in. Don't worry about it. Perfect. So, but no, I mean, going back to your question, Dan, um, like I said, there are some pros and some cons just like in everything else. Um, some of the cons, you know, as some of my investigators will attest to, and Dan, even yourself, you know, I've lost a lot of sleep over these things. Um, but, you know, I've learned a lot. I've met a great bunch of people, not only on my team, but through clients, through outside resources, you know, people, you know, talking to me on the street. Um, and just a, it's a variety of different things. It's been very rewarding to me, but like I said, it, it takes a huge hindrance because me as a founder, I can get a phone call, you know, 24, anytime during the day saying, you know, hey, we need help. And there are just certain things to where, you know, I, I can and can't handle. So, but you just got to grit and bear it. <laughs> it sounds like to me, though, you, despite everything, you sound like you're pretty pretty happy about, you know, having started this group. Absolutely. No, I, I, I love what I'm doing, and I love the fact that I decided to run with this when I did. Um, like I said, I've met a great group of people. I have a great team behind me, um, and hopefully some more to come. And, you know, Dan, that's how I met you. Absolutely. You know, on on the segue to that, <laughs> you know, I I am I am just can't tell you how impressed I am when we go out in public and I, people come up to us and say, "Hey, are you a San Diego paranormal?" Eye? Yep. And I'm sitting there like in disbelief, like people actually know who we are. <laughs> yeah, I had an instance where I was at the, one of those gas stations that I go to, and the guy saw a shirt, my shirt, and for those of you who've never you know met me, on the back of my shirt for SDPE it says SDPE founder. Well, the guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, are you Matt from SDPE? I was like, yeah, I am. Wow. So it was, it was really cool. Well, it definitely is, is. It's very interesting to me that so many people just, you know, not only that, picking up people from other tour groups. Oh, you yeah. Know, <laughs> uh, and, and that brings me to one question I've kind of been thinking about for a while here. You know, there's this buzzword that's been floating around the Internet now for quite some time amongst uh, – Paranormal groups, and now I'm actually hearing it from paranormal groups in San Diego. Okay. This buzzword, you've probably heard of it, para-unity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this idea that everyone in the paranormal community is on the same page and show, show each other the same type of mutual respect for, you know, what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, my thought here, should this idea include paranormal tour groups since they operate to- solely on the intention of making money? Should they be included in something as as diverse as that? Well, like I said earlier, you know, everybody has their own theories, their own conclusions. And anybody who's met me, you know I have different theories. And the paranormal community is full of them. Um, I think anybody who's open to the paranormal should, you know, work with each other. Um, It all depends on what your goal is. I mean, if you're just out to make money and everything like that, well, do what you do. But for those of us who actually, you know, and I hate saying it like this, but 
who actually care enough to you know help people to do what we do and you know basically give knowledge to those who are you know excuse the term ignorant of it you know yeah we should help each other i mean i've been saying ever since i started sdpe you know which dan you've told me we've talked about this yeah um starting a uh, like a organization just for founders where founders can just come in and sit down, have a, you know, talk shop, help each other out, that type of thing. But sadly enough, you know, there's not a lot of people that will, you know, welcome that idea. <laughs> we do have a message in from Matthew S. saying he quote unquote loves us. Well, thank you, Matthew. We love you too. Aww. <laughs> you know, you touched on something earlier about the financial aspect of running a paranormal group. Yeah. You know, I think that. To me, that would be the most challenging to, you know, work, you know, have a full-time life outside of it. And also, most people don't realize that we, you probably you don't make much money out of this. I no. mean, in fact, I'm pretty sure you make no money out of this. Yeah, you, you'd be right on that. Actually, um, we don't. We are a nonprofit organization, um, whether it be a client investigation to just even a tour. You know, I don't charge any anything to anybody. Um, donations are always accepted, of course, and they're welcomed. But... Even trips up to like Los Angeles, we had a couple. We had a client up there. I didn't charge the client a, a dime. I just asked, you know, for gas money, and she was more than happy to give us that. But you know, anyone in San Diego that we don't need to, you know, strain on gas for, you know, we don't even we don't charge. Um, definitely. I mean, I understand. We should. You should I really am one of those people who believes in paranormal. If you see a paranormal person that's charging money to do investigations you should turn the other way and run <laughs> which is where i kind of get difficult for me with the para unity because how can you have para unity when you have you know tom jones over here tom jones i like that name that's a good name. i like that <laughs> tom that's gonna jones be my alias from now on <laughs> no yours is striker oh that's it <laughs> um you know who's charging money and saying that he can get rid of ghosts for you know he can do a cleansing for 150 dollars yeah that's I don't know. I mean, if people want to do that, I mean, I, I'm not one to bash people, but to me, credibility would be an issue by far. I mean, the reason why I don't charge clients is because a lot of these other teams that do charge, you know, they overpriced in my eyes. I mean, I've known a team to get up to close to $2,000 for an investigation. And, you know, what about these individuals, these families who, as everybody knows, the economy is terrible? What if they can't afford it? What if they don't have $2,000 laying around? Are we just going to leave them in the dark? No. And that's where we fall in. And I think that that's the most noble you know, part of being a you know, a paranormal enthusiast. I don't even want to say ghost hunter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so trite and contrived. It's kind of catchy, though. I kind of <laughs> like it. <laughs> Everyone out there is a ghost hunter pr- pretty much nowadays. Yeah. Um, recently, you know, I'm sure you heard today that there was a young lady that did pass away did. over the yesterday from some type of complication from uh, inhaling some, some something type of exposure yeah yeah some type of exposure during a paranormal investigation you know what kind of precautions do you take for these types of situations i know a lot of your investigations are out in the open you know where anything any yep. number of things could go wrong <laughs> <laughs> well that's with any investigation um <laughs> well as far as we're concerned is uh we'll start with the medical mm-hmm. side um, we do like to keep on hand at least a first aid kit, stuff like that, to be prepared for anything. Um, usually when we find a spot, go out, check it out a couple times before I bring my guys in. Usually I'll take uh, two or three individuals with me, and we'll just walk around see what's out there. Um, see if there's, you know, gas pipes that are exposed, you know, there could be, you know, some leakage on there. If there's, you know, weathering and stuff like that. Um, homeless running around, or as we call them, transients. Um, what kind of area is it in as far as is it a gang area, that type of stuff. So we try to we try to eliminate that. And, you know, part of being a founder as well is having an emergency plan. And from my newest investigator all the way up to my most senior, they all know the, you know, the protocol for an emergency. If an emergency comes over, you know, a radio or something happens, you know, they know the next voice over the radio will be mine and everything goes to a complete standstill till we assess what's really going on. And if need be, evacuate, get out. And I'm assuming to, to this day that you've been doing this for almost a year, and almost two years now, right? Um, I've been investigating for about two years. Uh, SDP's been around since, uh, well, about 14 months now. 14 months. Crap. You've had a good track record, right? No injuries. We haven't lost anyone yet. Right? <laughs> well, I think my investigators will say something different. But, <laughs> yeah, we've, we haven't really had anything to where, you know, the ambulances have to be called. 
Well, I'm glad you hear that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I get this question a lot. Mm-hmm. What's the scariest thing you've seen on an investigation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get that all the time. Um, for confidentiality purposes, I, the, I can't say too much because yeah. I have had some Absolutely. things with some clients that have made me even scratch my head. Um, I think um, one time that sticks out in my mind more than any is uh, one of my investigators, Michael. Uh, it was his first time out, brand new to the field. Him and I were up at uh, Presidio Park over at the, for those of you who know, there's a cross up there. Well, him and I were over there, and I was teaching him how to do an EVP session. We were just talking, you know, just BSing. And all of a sudden, both of us heard this loud scream. It was a female scream. And him and I looked at each other and were like, was that help? And I went over the radio, asked the guys, hey, you know, did anybody else hear that? Nobody else heard it. We couldn't explain it. And that kind of caught us a little on edge. Um, Another time, we were down at Victorian Village. Um, Michael, again, I don't know why he's so prone, but (laughs) he got a little scratch on his back. And uh, I actually got pushed backwards, and I got grabbed. And it was to the point to where I thought somebody was coming up behind me and literally grabbing a hold of me. But... You know, that really gave me a step back. I was really, you know, I was startled. And, you know... Oh, I could imagine. Yeah, yeah. And a couple times, you know, I've like I said, I've seen a couple things like footsteps. And, I've well, I've heard footsteps, seen, you know, partial apparitions. And, yeah, it freaks me out. But I think the more physical things start to get, that starts to really get me on edge. I've always been one of those people. I don't want to be touched. <laughs> <laughs> At least by a ghost. Well... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I know that uh, that's definitely the... Unless you've ever been physically touched by the unknown, it's very difficult to explain the fear that encapsulates yeah. you immediately when you, you realize... You have to live it to believe When you realize <laughs> that you cannot stop whatever it is that's doing it to you. You get grabbed, get your shirt pulled, you turn around, there's nobody standing there. It's like, okay, you either fight or you flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those things that until you're put in that situation, you, you don't know what you're going to do. Okay? 100%. Um, as far as um, paranormal goes, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you on an investigation? There's got to be some moments here, late night, 18-hour <laughs> shifts. <laughs> um, the funniest thing that happened to me personally, um, I was over at Mission Hills Park, also called Pioneer Park, uh, one of our training sites, and there's a particular tree that, you know, we've had stuff being thrown at us from. Um, some we can, you know, say it's been, you know, the uh, little fruit or stuff like that. Oh, okay. And so the, the tree's over at the... Yeah, yeah over yeah, in the trail. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one night, I decided, you know, I'm just going to climb up and sit on one of these branches, which I tell my guys is a no-no, you don't climb trees, but I was feeling frisky that night. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking around, and all of a sudden I heard this real threatening, get out. There was an audible voice. Nobody was around me. And I just looked around and I went, no, make me. And all of a sudden the trees just started shaking. And I was like, okay, I'll leave. (laughs) (laughs) We have a question coming in on the hot seat here. For For the skeptics maybe listening tonight, can you explain what a ghost is actually and how it is able to touch, make sounds, and move things? Well, as far as what a spirit is or a ghost is, um, there's obviously different forms, different types, uh, but the real basic common ghost, if you will, is virtually a human spirit or energy, depending on what type of haunting it is, that imprints itself. Um, it, for an intelligent haunt, it's a spirit that, you know, it can communicate just like how Dan and I are, just like you guys in, you know, communicate with your friends, it'll interact with you. Um, residual, you're looking at just like a DVD. You put a DVD in, you yell at the actors, they're still going to do this. Now, these are the common, the most common correct theories in the paranormal community. Correct. Everything, everything in the paranormal community is basically a theory. Okay. There's no right or wrong answer, which is cool. Um, as far as manipulation of objects being able to touch and stuff like that, the theory behind that is they take what's called the electromagnetic field or EMF, and they manipulate it. They either, you know. Um, power up, so to speak. Best I've way heard to it both it. ways. I've heard yeah. powering up or powering down. <laughs> That's the basic way to say it. And they use that energy to manipulate things. Um, the best reference I can describe, as I explained to one gentleman, is think of the movie Ghost. It's a great example of that theory. Um, Patrick Swayze's down in the train station. He's trying to move oh, again. The same thing. So, that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's my best explanation. <laughs> 
You know, I, I think that, it, like you said, there's no correct answer and no wrong answer. 100%. And as I've said a million times in the past, and I'll say again, if a skeptic wants to be a skeptic, they could see a ghost literally walk right in front of them, and to them, they would find some reason to say that it's not a ghost. Yep. There's a portion of our population that will never believe, are susceptible to believing, um, have be- have believed because they have actually witnessed it, mm-hmm. you know, and... And I think that that's, uh, that's kind of where we're going with that. Exactly. I mean, you'll always find your mix. I mean, even on my team, I have everyone from the full-blown skeptic to full-on believers. Um, I like skeptics. <laughs> <laughs> me as a founder, I like to stay neutral because, you know, I, I can't, me, in all fairness to these clients and these people, I can't go either way on this one. Right. Um. You know, I think a lot of people watch the ghost hunting shows like <laughs> The Ghost Hunters, Ghost Hunters International. Yep. Uh, even now, the show The Dead Files, Ghost uh, Adventures. There's this lineage of commercialized uh, paradrama that's going on in TV mm-hmm. today. And my question for you is, you know, they make it look like it's fun. Like, literally. I mean, I would want to be a ghost hunter if I watched some of these TV shows. I mean, is it really that glamorous? Is there some appeal that's... You know, or is there a lot of work? Because to me, I, from my experience, it's a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. No, if you want to be as serious in this field as an investigator or even a founder, it is a lot of work. And, you know, if you see any of one of my guys on the street, by all means, ask them. But it does take a lot of work. It's long hours. I and mean, even during an investigation, you'll go maybe three, four hours without seeing or hearing anything. And that's just basically how it is. Um, but when stuff does happen, it's it's an adrenaline rush. It's something like I've never experienced before. Uh, I, I think I totally agree with you. Even being being the skeptic that I am, I I have witnessed things that I just can't unskeptic. Yeah, <laughs> that's I've, my I've word. Witnessed that. I cannot be an unskeptic sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I will break you of that, Dan. And uh, I have to say that you know when those trivial then there's they can be small. I mean, literally, I was. In one location, and it's a public location, so I was at Edgemore Hospital, or Edgemore, the dairy barn, and literally a footstep occurred right in front of me, and me the, and the person sitting next to me, we were listening, and we literally could not believe ourselves what we were hearing, and, yeah. and the room takes on an entirely different feel when you suddenly realize, hey, something I can't explain just happened. Yeah, sadly enough, we don't have the uh, production value. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, anytime you go out and I, you know, everyone always says, you know, what's your most haunted location? And, you know, we have certain spots that we see more activity more times than not. But what everybody needs to understand is anytime you go out, you have a 50-50 shot of hearing or seeing something. Some nights you'll hear a lot. Some nights you won't hear a thing. And one one location I I think I've heard you say, or maybe I've I quoted myself saying that <laughs> under, <laughs> under your name. <laughs> I see how it is. Um, you know, Pioneer Park. Uh, Seventy yeah. percent of the time you catch nothing, but that thirty percent when you do catch something is just spectacular. Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, and you know we'll stick with Pioneer. Pioneer is a great location. Uh, it's great training for my guys and for me as a founder. Um, I don't really investigate too much. I kind of stay back. I like to kind of keep control of everything that's going on. I need to know what all my guys are doing. And it's great for me because I can sit there and watch where everybody is. I know where everybody is. But when I go out there, you know, with a couple other people and we do investigate, you know, it's just it's a beautiful area. It's gorgeous. And whenever stuff does happen there, oh, it's it's amazing. I've always said, you know, it would be interesting, you know, as an experiment to take – Ten people that know nothing about San Diego and drive them down there and let them walk around and ask them what they feel about the place and see what they say. Because I feel it's one of those locations that you can pick up on something is not right because it's so pretty. It's so it seems so aged. Yep. That I want I would be curious to see if people could actually figure that out on their own. It might be an experiment worth trying someday. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Well, maybe that'll be next next uh, month's podcast. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you know the results. Um, so we are just coming up now around 9.24. We've been online for 30 minutes. Woohoo! Awesome. All right. Um, you know, we do want to... Time is going by fast, believe it. Oh, crap, it is. <laughs> um, we, we would like to open the telephone lines up here in just a minute for anyone that would like to call. And uh, anyone that's in on, on SanDiegoParanormalEye.com, there is a chat room right on the main page. 
All you got to do is, is go in there and type in a few questions, and we'll try to answer them. Um, the phone lo- phone number here is uh, area code 619, obviously, 488-2558. Um, we can only take one call at a time, so, you know, bear with us if you are trying to get through. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did I mess up the phone number? <laughs> yeah. If, uh, Dan actually accidentally called uh, some guy, so if uh, you got a missed call from somebody, uh, sorry about that. He might be <laughs> calling us back here anyway. <laughs> I think we got a message here. In case no one... Apparently the link on Facebook doesn't work. Okay, but obviously he made it to the right spot, so hopefully he's listening in. <laughs> yeah, I do have another question here on the uh, another one of our live chats. Um, common question: Why does it get cold when a spirit is around? Well, there's like again, there's different theories. Um, one of the theories out there is the fact of that EMF, the electromagnetic field. They're trying to manipulate either through voice, uh, physical contact, some kind of manipulation, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Um, They're trying to do that, and it's creating what's called a cold spot because that energy is moving. It's like a vacuum. You know, there's just multiple theories out there. So that's one that I believe is, to me, holds true. So that's so. I hope I answered that one right. <laughs> well, I definitely think that there's something to it. It seems to you know when they they always say when there's fire there's when there's smoke there's usually fire. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that that's true in this case that you know so many paranormal investigators have been out in the field and have experienced these abnormal spots that seem you know that they can measure, yep. literally taking a millimeter and putting it right into there, checking the ambient temperature, and you can see that there's a depreciable or an increased amount of temperature in those spots. 100 percent. You know, but is it a spirit once again? That, me personally, if that would happen, if I would get a cold spot, my first thought would be probably a draft. Um, check for ventilation if you do run across one. See, check your ventilation. Make sure your AC isn't on or your central air isn't on. Check fans. Check your windows. That type of thing first. Um, I would not just jump right into the fact that it would be a spirit. Now, I've heard other paranormal groups in San Diego. <laughs> some, some of the harder, tougher questions now. Mm-hmm. Um, some other paranormal groups have made I've made comment that basically you need the most expensive, top-of-the-line equipment <laughs> to go out and do paranormal investigations and actually catch evidence. You know, what is your opinion on that, seeing that you don't come from that type of affluent situation? <laughs> well, yes, some of the more expensive equipment, you know, is better, is nice to have. But we can do the same thing, you know, as far as, like, as best example is a digital recorder or any type of recorder. My team and I use an analog recorder. We actually use two of them, and we catch EVPs on that. And, you know, for those of you who aren't sure what an analog recorder is, it's the tape ones. Um, $30 digital recorders, same thing. Um, phones now, a lot of smartphones, even older phones, they record. I've caught a lot of EVPs on, on that. So it's... It's a variety. It's a mix. It's whatever you feel you deem necessary. I mean, even as far as flashlights, everyone always wants to get the most expensive flashlight. You can go to the dollar store, pick up a flashlight, and use that. So, if I'm understanding correctly, you're saying that, you know, you don't need the most expensive. No, 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 no. And, you know, I think that uh, you've probably caught a fair share of evidence in some cases with... Cell phones, as you said, and other devices that may not have been the typical. You know, what about the equipment, you know, the homemade stuff? I mean, have you guys invested too much into that? Yeah, we uh, we're lucky. We we have an individual in particular who makes all the all the equipment or some of our equipment, and it's worked very well. Um, we have a makeshift. This was called a geosphere. It picks up uh, footsteps and any type of vibration. That's homemade. The one we use, and that works wonderfully. So, if you can find the kits and you have the time to build them, go for it. Definitely, I I don't think I'm in full agreement with you. I I think that. Uh, the most overrated device, in my opinion, in the paranormal community is the K2 meter. This is a yeah. device which was not intended to be used for paranormal. It was, I think it cost $20 before it was yep. posted on Ghost Hunters, and now ever since then it's been around 50 to $60. Yeah, I think that's what meter. I heard. It was just now it was 50 You know, it kind of, once again, it, it makes me feel very, it's a very touchy subject for me because I, I feel that, you know, these people are monopolizing on the fact that, you know, People want to go out and investigate, and they want to, you know, experience things, yep. but they want to charge an arm and a leg for them at the same time. 
Yeah, I mean, any piece of equipment that, you know, like, the, as far as, we'll go with the K2. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I would love to have one. It'd be great to have one. Just not because of what it does, just because it's another piece of equipment for my guys to use. Um, but then again, uh, it's all up to, you know, what you want to do with your team and what you want to, you know, where you want to go with it. Uh, we got a question in coming in here. You want to answer that one. So I'll go ahead and read it out loud. <laughs> this is from uh, Red Eye Bro. I was recently told by the group I started investigating with that told me I am more susceptible to paranormal activity, and they have been hesitant to bring me now. We apparently tend to get more activity when I'm around. Any suggestions? Well, I have a couple investigators who, you know, just like that, you know, you get more activity and stuff like that with them. Um, to be honest, if you're getting more activity, that just means you have a chance to get more evidence. That's all it's saying to me. I would start carrying around a digital recorder, that type of stuff. As far as, you know, if you want to try to prevent it, there are different ways the, to prevent. Some people believe you can wear courts, that type of thing, bless, you know, do blessings, stuff like that. Um, me, personally, I consider that a blessed thing. I don't want to get rid of that. If, if I'm getting activity, that just means I got more stuff. So I think you also have to be cautious, too, just from a point of view of, you know, someone that may be, may be exaggerating. And I think yeah. maybe that's where sometimes these things kind of come into play, especially when you're new in a group, you know, and you haven't done your time yet. It, people may start saying, oh, well, every time he's here, this happens, you know. And yeah. those are all things that you have to be really gentle about. And one thing I always say is write down everything. 100%. Document everything. Write it down. Even if you don't tell anyone else, keep a record of it so you can test yourself to see if you really are more susceptible or if they're just blowing smoke out there. And, you know, and I mean, write it down and, uh, you know, like Dan said, you know, get, carry a little notepad. I mean, in the military, we used to carry little green notebooks with us just for whatever reason. But, you know, carry those around. They have them at CVS, stuff like that. You know, go to the dollar store, pick up a pack of pens, carry it around. You start feeling stuff. Write down the time, the date, what you were doing, that type of stuff, what you're experiencing, and turn on a recorder. And that way, if you do catch an EVP, say you see a female standing there or you feel like there's a female around you, you write that down, you start your recorder, start asking questions, you pick up a female voice, you just validated yourself. And uh, we got a follow-up question from Red Eye Bro. Um, the issue with them is they are very concerned. I caught an EVP at our recent spot, what they heard, about six different voices, and according to them, they never got that type of activity before. Well, in any location, you know... This isn't part of your group, right? <laughs> I hope not. This better not be one of my guys. Um, otherwise, we'll have to talk afterwards. Um, remember, I have everybody's phone. We're just, we're just having a little fun here. <laughs> <laughs> um... The thing is, is when you're in a public location or even any location, you don't know what you're going to run into. Um, there have been nights where I've gone to some of these locations and I've caught nothing but male voices. I've gone and caught female voices. I've caught, you know, children's voices. I've caught it all in the same place. And you never know what you're going to run into. Okay, so I'm not sure what that means, but we'll. I think was that uh, red eye. Was that for uh, you know me, or uh, you're not on the team? Because <laughs> I think that's what you're uh, responding to. Yeah, I think that's what you're saying. No, it wasn't you. Yeah. <laughs> I do know who you are. <laughs> I'm like, uh oh. I thought I offended somebody. I was like, oh crap. All right, see you. No. We'll see it on Yelp tomorrow. <laughs> um. Do you think paranormal activity has gone up since you started? Um, it depends. It really depends on where your location is. I mean, everything is an equation as far as paranormal. You know, what kind of hauntings, you know, even if, if there is a haunting there. Um, I believe that activity, for me, like I said, it depends on atmosphere, depends on what history is there, that type of thing. It just there's multiple variables, but as far as going up is concerned, I haven't noticed any. I have noticed that we've gotten more um, individuals hanging, you know, give me a call, wanting to join, uh, wanting us to investigate, that type of thing. I have noticed that is, has increased, but I just attest it to the fact that we're getting our name out there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I I think it's one of those things that Santee is and Lakeside and these areas and El Cajon or 
really starting to come into their own. They're really starting to become much bigger cities, and their population's increasing. Yeah. And so is San Diego as a whole. I mean, eventually we'll either overtake L.A. or be right on par with L.A. And as we grow, we're going to end up finding more and more areas because there's more and more people reporting these things. Yep. And people are – what I've noticed is people are opening up more to the paranormal, um, whether it be due to movies or media, whatever, you know, or maybe they're just becoming more aware of it. And, you know, that's – to me, that's actually a good thing that they're becoming aware of it. But my whole issue has always been what information are they getting from this as far as, uh, as, far as the, you know, movies and stuff like that. Are they getting the right – you know, media. And we have a message here from Matthew Slider. Seriously, I want to join. How do I do it? How do I join SDPE? Well, you have to go up. We're stationed up in L.A. Uh, there, <laughs> Mr. Slider. Um, and then I have to do a full-scale background check on you. And then there's an extensive uh, interview process. For those that don't know, we actually know Matthew yeah, Slider. Yeah, that, that's a joke, everybody. If anybody wants to join, by all means, you know, give me a call or message me. Now, does anyone well, can anyone join, or does there is there a picking order? Picking order? Absolutely not. There, anybody can join. Anybody can you know contact me or contact you know the website and want to join. Um, there is a two-part interview process. The first one is an initial face-to-face with myself, where I just ask a couple really quick questions, that type of thing. And then the second part of the interview is I actually get the individual out with my guys, do an actual investigation, whether it be the entire team or just a couple of them, and we see how they are in the field, see if they can connect with my guys. Um, because bottom line, like I said before, I don't investigate. You know, They'll be investigating with my guys, and I want to make sure they'll be comfortable. So I've, I just want, I don't want to, that to sound too cryptic. So basically not every, everyone can attempt to join, but not everyone may get in. Correct, yes. There There's, is criteria yes, to there, be a member of San Diego. Yes, Department. pretty much, you know, we're looking for individuals who like to, number one, have fun and who are real relaxed and, you know, but who take this serious We because, you know, we deal with clients on a regular basis. We don't care about what kind of experiences do you have, what, you know, type of, you know, equipment can you bring on board, that type of thing. We don't care about that. We just care about the fact that you can click and mesh well with us. Well said. What about minors? I've heard tell that there's a minor league of San Diego Paranormal Eye somewhere floating around San Diego. Yes, I do uh, have a spot for junior investigators. Um, Obviously, we've gotten parental or guardian permission, um, but we don't bring those guys out to, obviously, clients. We have them out here sometimes for... uh, for the you know in the public areas like Old Town, Presidio, that type of thing, um, but I'm gonna start focusing more on that in a little bit. But we're gonna bring them out and have them at events, that type of thing. And pretty much what that's for is to kind of give them a good um, basic or um, how can I say it's foundation mm-hmm. for when they do become 18 and they become an adult. You know, that way they know, you know, everything's not just handed to them. They have to work hard for it. Everything's not black and white, just as people, you know, think. There are other things out there that, you know, different explanations. But, and also it just gives them time to get out of the house. I mean, I've seen a lot of kids up in, you know, like the mall or stuff like that. And I've seen kids, you know, smoking and doing drugs and stuff like that. I want to try to get individuals and good kids away from all that, get away from their exposure. We got someone here named Guest Two Six One Six. I'm not sure who that is, but they're saying hi to you. Hello. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a question for you. Possibly. So, on your wish list of things for Christmas, since Christmas is coming around the corner here, <laughs> what precisely would be on a paranormal enthusiast top list of things to get for Christmas? Oh wow! Uh, if you could pick one item, let's just let's just get to one item, and it has to be item. under under seven hundred dollars. Oh, there goes my thermal. <laughs> um, probably we have an answer in live chat. Batteries. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would definitely be uh, a wish list item. Um, me personally, a new DVR, new DVR system. Um, the one we have now works well, um, but it only records on one channel, so. I would like to get a better DVR system. And I think that that's, you know... Hey, look, that's what the Red Eyes Brewer said. DVR with USB connection. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Name badges for all my guys. <laughs> Whoa. Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> I know, that's a tall order. 
Um, yeah, you have an awesome looking website, by the way. I just wanted to thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Dan uh, does all that behind the scenes stuff for me. He helps me out a lot. Yeah, for those that don't know, I may not be in the field that much, but I, I'm generally the the person here that's on the computer answering questions all day long. I think today we had six different people, minus this, the chat that's going on right now yeah. because of you know the show. We had probably six different people that came through and wanted to talk to us. But uh, as Matt breaks apart his brand new yeah, ghost hunting shoes, <laughs> so you know here's a hard part. You're a founder. Yeah. You have someone that's uh, on your team that's not making the cut. Yeah. What do you do? Well, depending on what they're doing. I mean, if they're causing you know, drama and stuff like that, if it's real serious, I get them off the team right away. Um, but I'm a man of second chances. I've gotten one, and I've given some of my guys even some. And I believe that there is some good in everybody. And if they're, you know... If they're a good investigator, they make it out, and they have a couple of hiccups here and there, I'll sit down and I'll talk with them. And I'll see, you know, where's their mindset at? Where do they want to go with this? Do they want to still be here? And I give them that second chance. And if it happens again, then, you know, i got to let them go because I have to think of my team first. So, you know, I just have to, you know, put on my big boy pants, as they call it, and just grit and bear it. Awesome, and so just a uh, red eyes bro just following up here that he he uh, records his EVPs from his DVR to his computer anytime, and he needs to send them out. So, well, I'm I don't know what your you know your team that's doing, but you know you're more than welcome to send them to myself or send them on the uh, website or anything. We'll be more than happy to take a look at them. Absolutely, you know that's I think that's one of the things people don't also don't know is that we get pictures. Oh, yeah. Videos, stories sent to us all the time. Oh, I couldn't tell you how many pictures I've gotten sent to me. Uh, Whaley House is one of the major ones, which oh, yeah. uh, I've had about six or seven of them. So I'm, and that's kind of my segue into the nearing our final moments, the uh, final 15 minutes here. You know, the Whaley House. Me and you have a lot of varied <laughs> opinions, and it seems like just about everyone I've talked to has a varied opinion on the Whaley House. Yep. Um, first thing. How do you feel about groups like, I won't say their name, okay. let's just, there's a group that operates that venue and does it for revenue for the Whaley House Foundation. Yes, I, I think I know what you're talking do about. You, do you think that it's okay to do that? Um, my whole thing, I'm, I have nothing against the Whaley House, I have nothing against people who run it. Um, I just want everyone to know that first and foremost. Um, me personally, I think that investigating the Whaley House for you know paying money to do this to me is doing two things. Number one, if you have the money to do it, cool, do what you want to do. Um, as far as SDP is concerned, I will not do that. Um, main reason, I'm not saying they don't have activity. I believe they do have activity due to the history, the location, and everything that's been going on. But to me, investigating that is kind of like going to the best scenario or best uh, illustration I can think of is like going to the zoo or going to SeaWorld and you know you're going in there and poking and prodding at these spirits if they are there and they're, you're not giving them a chance to rest and that may be what what's going on now like I said it's, it's possible so you're just feeding the fire so to speak and and so you know I'm, I'm kind of the opinion that I the Whaley house you know is haunted but for maybe a different reason We've kind of touched, I've touched on this with you back and forth. We do know oh, that yeah. there's a, there's certain circumstances about the building behind the Whaley House, yes. which isn't fully understood. Yeah. Um, is it possible that something else is fueling the Whaley House spirits? It is. I mean, like I said, you know, the, the history and, you know, what all happened there and the location absolutely has the perfect makings for a haunting. Um but for the continuous of it, it's it could be different things. I mean, you got to think of it this way: if you were if you passed on, and you're in this home, and you had a you know tragic death or whatnot, and you're you know haunting this house, and you finally come to terms with it, you're ready to cross over. And next thing you know, there's hundreds and thousands of people coming into your home with different types of machines that you have no idea what they are. And they're just kind of poking around and you know looking for you. You know that's going to upset you. I mean, I know it would for me personally. So you know, 
I'm not saying it doesn't have activity, but I just feel that it's not helping. Okay, fair enough. Let's go to another location in Old Town. Okay. Ocampo Santo. <laughs> oh, one of my favorites. Um, again, it all does comes back to history. Um, you know, that place is is awesome. It's um, very old, obviously, and it's just it's got a lot of good solid history and good solid equations for an, a good solid haunting. Um, I hear tale that there may be a German fellow there that uh, likes to I, smoke a cigarette. I knew you were going to bring him up. Well, you know, That's a lot of people German don't buddy. know this story, and I actually, I actually had to go look around to find this story to see if I had heard it before. And, I, and there, I did find one other site that does mention this exact same thing, and I, I never even heard of it until I met you. Yeah, so would, people that don't know, maybe you can kind of explain what I'm talking about and <laughs> go from there. <laughs> well, down in El Campo Santo, there's obviously numerous headstones and crosses. And I was uh, before I started SCP, I was told about this smoking German that if you set a cigarette down on you know one side of his cross, he'll smoke it with you. Well, me being a smoker and me being you know the guy I am, I'm a logical thinker. I thought it's got to be the wind. It has to be the wind. And I thought, eh, it'll smoke a little bit and go out just like they all do now that they have the chemicals on the paper. So I went down there and I, you know, I did what they were asking me to. And I witnessed personally this cigarette literally smoke the in entirety, smoke it all. And I couldn't believe that it was doing that. I was uh, that just I had no logical explanation for it. As a smoker, I probably would have been mad at it. The cigarette having. Yeah, I was a little. I think I was still a little. The next smoker. I was a little too freaked out and confused on what was going on to worry about the cigarette. Um, and then I heard, you know, that it would, you know, the German, so to speak, would flip off, you know, the cigarette and, you know, roll it around or push it. So I started challenging it. Um, and I said, hey, if you're here, do it. And I, at one point, I just lit the cigarette. And now, keep in mind, I do light it, you know, in, it, in my mouth, just like you would a regular cigarette. Right. And I set it down, and as soon as I set it down, it, you know, was steady for about 30 seconds or so, and then all of a sudden it flipped off. And these weren't super breezy days. Oh, no, 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 no. There was no wind that night. It was and a for very, people that don't know, there's a, night. an adobe wall or a wall. It's which, a wall. It's a wall, which kind of goes around it. So Yeah, it and there's a building the, behind it, too. Kind of blocks the window. Yeah, so I couldn't believe what I just saw. I was like, are you kidding? This is unreal. So then I, you know, it, cigarette went out, I lit it again, and I started, you know, asking questions again, and it was weird because I noticed every time I would ask a question, it would either, the cigarette would light up as if somebody was taking a drag off of it, or it wouldn't. I was like, hmm, that's kind of odd. And then I thought, okay, well, I know how hard it is to get that cherry out of the cigarette. Because it takes some force to it, and you have to roll it and mm -hmm. squeeze it. So I said, all right, well, if this is really you, can you drop it on this rock? And I put it into this one rock that had a little crevice in it. And as soon as I touched that rock, the cherry fell out, landed right on the rock, <laughs> sizzled out like it hit water. And I just went, okay, understood, gotcha. So it wasn't just an automatic, okay, yeah, he's there. And this isn't, you've also had other people that you don't even know that have been there at the cemetery and taken pictures. There's this rumor of also that the German doesn't like people to take pictures. and Yeah, we've. I've experienced that numerous times. Mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, I was asking questions, and, you know, German would be smoking, and just regular night, and then all of a sudden people would come over with cameras trying to figure out what's going on, and cigarettes would go out, and it would just stop smoking. And as soon as I'd walk away, I'd light it back up. I wouldn't put it back in my mouth. I'd just light it just from the cross, and it would continue to smoke. Um, I had this one individual. I'll never forget this lady. She was all the way across the other side. Of the of El Campo, and I'm for those that don't know, El Campo is not a huge cemetery. No, it's it's not real wide. You're probably thinking about what 150, 200 feet mm -hmm. or so. And she saw me over there, so she comes walking over with a camera in her hand. She's standing about 30 feet back, and she goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, this is my German buddy. He's having a cigarette with me." She goes, "Can I take a picture?" I said, "Well, you can sure try." And she stepped about three, four steps closer, put her camera up to her face like she's going to take a picture, and I, with my own eyes, saw the camera fly from her hand over her shoulder backwards and she was standing perfectly still and i was like okay that's kind of odd and we've had you know our, so what uh, do you think she was still a skeptic at that point or um i don't know if she was but i know her husband wasn't because her husband was pretty freaked out <laughs> were they ready to go back <laughs> she took off after that she picked up her camera she went out I, screaming i could believe that um, yeah 
We were, I remember we did a public investigation at uh, Presidio with one of our investigators, and they were wearing a necklace around their neck. And yeah, yeah. Levitated up and ripped off of them, literally. Yeah, it, it ripped a uh, clean off, actually. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen that much activity since we've been at that place, but I understand. I don't go there as much as you guys do. Yeah. So, I mean, what's how bad does it really get? Well... At Presidio Park. Oh, at Presidio? Okay. Just at Presidio. Well, the Presidio, which I call the mission side, from the mission, the jailhouse, the field, the cross, that's normally pretty pretty mellow. Um, A couple footsteps here and there, branches breaking, a couple voices. Um, But the trails... We uh, we went down there a couple nights, and that's where most of my guys have gotten attacked, so to speak. Scratched, pushed, shoved, um, the whole nine. And for some reason, that area has just been threatening. And for some reason, it's gotten worse. Um, I was just down there about two weeks ago, and one of my investigators got a really bad scratch across his face. So... You know, if anybody does want to go out to Presidio, I would suggest either A, taking a decent-sized group with you, more than five individuals, or if you want to check it out, give me a call, and I'll bring some of my guys out, and we'll go down there. But I would not recommend going down there by yourself. I even have a rough time going down there by myself. Totally understandable. Um, We're getting down to the last uh, nine minutes, roughly, here. And, uh, you know, I want to kind of give you a little shout-out, a little plug to, you know, people that don't know you that yeah you know there's several paid tours in san diego for paranormal investigations and yep. whatnot yep um you do it for free yep that's correct sorry i, I mean, was drink <laughs> no go ahead <laughs> my founder juice you know you do it for free and what would you want to tell people i mean should they go pay for this tour i mean are they going to receive something better than what you can give them for free well, I'm, like I said before, I'm not one to bash. Um, I think, you know, there are there's some credibility to it, but some of these individuals who run these tours, either they're driven by money, so all they want to do is just get people out. Um, they just want to make their money. Um, they don't do any research. They don't know the back history. They don't know, you know, the location very well. And some of them, for what you pay, is just unreal. I mean, you, you don't get what you pay for. Um, as far as... SDPE is concerned, we do the haunted tours, and we also do historical tours where I'll take you around and tell you the history, obviously, but the haunted tours where we will actually put the equipment that my guys use in your hands and give you the full-on paranormal experience just like my investigators. And the reason why I do it like that is just because it brings that understanding to show people, look, it's not what you see on TV. It's not what you see in the movies. It's not as dangerous as some people think. And it's not as frequent. So it just brings more reality to it. In so my we, we got a question from Miss Luna here. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, first of all, for saying that we sound fantastic. <laughs> we'll take that. I know who that is. <laughs> but... Um, you know, she's kind of curious to say, you know, what what is the most haunted place? You know, if you if you had to choose one of these locations, what's your favorite, not most haunted, what's your favorite place to investigate? Let me rephrase it. Well, that's got, I, I can answer that, actually. There's two different areas that come to mind, um, depending on what we're looking at. It's, so everybody knows there's three different locations we do investigate on a regular basis. If you're located in San Diego, you'll probably see us there on a Saturday night, one of the locations. Old Town itself, um, right in the main area. Uh, Presidio Park, which is the mission right up the street, and then, like we stated earlier, Pioneer Mission Hills Park. Um, my favorite is, I, I gotta be hands down, Presidio. Um, that's just, it's a lot of fun. It's, you never know what you're gonna get that night. And it's just, again, a gorgeous area. Um, as far as the most active, I would say in collective, probably Old Town. Um, that's including Old Town itself, you know, the McCoy House, Cosmopolitan, Schoolhouse, um, Victorian Village, which is right up the street from it, El Campo Santo, you got the Whaley House, you got a bunch of different things for anybody to check out to investigate. And I'd like to take a second to answer, to answer that question, too. For those that don't know me, I also run San Diego Haunted.com. My name is Daniel Scott. And um, I've been looking into haunted locations for a long, long time. 
and I've been kind of kicking around, you know, doing the paranormal thing for a long time also. Um, I was one of those people that would go into cemeteries when I wasn't supposed to (laughs) (laughs) and try to record things. So I I have a long lineage. Um, My favorite place by far, and I'm sure you'll know, I already know what I'm going to say. Pioneer Park is my favorite location of all San Diego to go to. I mean, it's 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 hard to choose. I mean, it really depends on what you're in the mood for. I mean, all three locations, like I said, have every chance of seeing or hearing something. But those two, for me, just do it. I mean, I just I enjoy the locations. If I'm in, as I call it, frisky mood, I'll I'll go through Presidio. I'll you know run through the mission, the trails, the whole night. I'll I'll go over there for a night. Uh, if I'm feeling more laid back, I just want to catch some good EVPs, um, talk to people. Uh, meet different individuals, and even just check up on some of the ones I already know. You know, Old Town's the way to go for me. I mean, there's tons of things we could talk about. We could talk about, you know, all the tour people that have literally tried to go to you (laughs) while they're on a paid tour. (laughs) I've had that happen numerous times. Uh, It's unbelievable. I I tell you, folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to go out with this gentleman, Mr. Matthew Barron, one night to one of these locations and let him just take you around and people will flock to him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's there's owls in the air floating around or what it is, but there's something about San Diego Paranormal Eye that seems to drag people, you know, away from what they're doing to come out here and say, hey, I've been with you at locations where people literally just walk up, hey, can we walk around with you? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, like that family from Arizona. But, yeah, he's not joking, everybody. I mean, I've been in Old Town walking around by myself, and, you know, SDP does different things like scavenger hunts, hide-and-seek. I do that with my guys just to build a little camaraderie and have some fun. And I was setting up a scavenger hunt list one night, and there was a tour group going around. And I kid you not, people, I have three or four individuals turn around. They see the back of my shirt, and they would literally leave the tour group. And they will walk around with me, check us out, you know, talk to me. And it's just unreal. I am an eyewitness account to this on several occasions. <laughs> I want to touch one. we got three minutes left. I want to touch one last thing about – I want to go back to Presidio. I want to talk about – Witchcraft, the occult, yeah. what's going on? I, and you've sent me some pictures I've seen of uh, some magical symbols. You know, what's the deal? Is there, is the occult occurring in Old Town or in Presidio Park? Well, there has been documented proof that there is people up there doing some kind of seances and stuff like that. Um, we've, on numerous occasions, have come up. And I know some people who don't understand and who... You know, haven't witnessed this themselves. We've we found wax that to some of my guys, you know, it shows that there's something going on. Whether it be this pattern of it, whether it be whatever, it's just we. That was pretty much the starting point of that. And then we started noticing some symbols. Um, they're called seals of Solomon. We started seeing those around. And I think what really did it for me that there's something going on is one night a couple of us were up there and. We were just getting set up and getting ready to go, and there was a group that walked up to the jailhouse, right, where there's a, there's a pentagram up there, or a star up The Witch's Tower. Yeah, the Witch's Tower. And they were up there for a little bit, and we heard, it sounded to us like chanting, but it, we weren't too sure, so I sent one of my guys, just kind of nonchalantly over there to throw something away, and he, you know, said, hey, they're standing up there in a certain pattern. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of odd. So we started walking over, and that's when they all they all took off. They nonchalantly walked away, but they walked away in a hurry with a purpose to get. Oh yeah. Problem. And then we followed them up to uh, the mission where they disappeared, and we followed them probably about a hundred yards or so behind, just so they knew we weren't following. Them. No, I've seen these photographs, and I do concur with your investigator as well that these are the so- some the Solomon keys. Of that, how do you say it? Seals of Solomon. Seals of yeah. Solomon. Thank you. And uh, there's some pretty weird stuff with that. I mean, these aren't just your typical everyday symbols. These are more complex. They're yeah, they took some definite time. to. It took some planning on this mm-hmm. one. And where we found these three seals, it just kind of threw me off because, uh, you know, they, they didn't make sense to me. And like I said, you know, after we followed them to that second area, they just bolted. I mean, they went out and the car was parked in a dark area where nobody was seen. So they walked the entire property for a couple of reasons, and I don't know why. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I said, you know, if there's something going on down at the trails in the Presidio, where I just wouldn't suggest anybody going by themselves. 
And I, I, I completely agree with you. There's a lot of things that can go wrong out there. I mean, just especially at nighttime when you know vision isn't that good. Yeah. Um, you know, we're down the last you know sixty seconds or so. Is there anyone else out there that would like to you know ask a question before we uh, kind of say our last minute things? Or uh, we're going to give you just a couple minutes while we're trying to figure out. We're going to take a drink. Have <laughs> <laughs> me some water. Yeah, where's, my, where's my founder juice? The guys will know about what I'm talking about. Well, while we're waiting on a question, I'll kind of expand on that founder juice thing so everybody knows. Um, <laughs> this I'm is very, not alcohol. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not alcohol. It's not an alcoholic beverage. It's uh, energy drinks. I'm. If you see me out in public or even my guys, if I go to an investigation, I have a good amount on, on me. I'm always usually carrying around at least one energy drink. So we, they started calling it founder juice, or as uh, if he's listening, he knows who he is. He'll, he calls it founder juice. The name without names. <laughs> I use a, a moosey. He knows, he knows who he is. Well, Matt, I'm sure that we'll have um, a few more of these. I'm thinking that the, we could definitely do this every month, maybe? Yeah, we can do this. Okay. Once or twice a month. Once or twice a month sounds good. And um, for those that are listening and maybe want to listen to it again, it's going to be reposted online indefinitely. Oh, crap. So (laughs) 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 we have to listen to this ourselves. (laughs) Um, We want to thank everyone out there for joining in tonight. We had a total of 10 listeners at one point, which isn't too bad, you know, for our first gig, you know. That's about the same as we had for the meeting. Yeah, we're about (laughs) even 10 on 10, right? Yes. (laughs) I want to thank everyone out there, and uh, is there anything else you want to say, Matt? No, just be safe out there, and like I said, if anybody wants to go out and investigate, give me a call. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on here, and we look forward to chatting with you again.